what is it like to live in a home that has no tap water no electricity no refrigerator no gas chula a home where rain water is the drinking water where all used water gets recycled and all this is happening right in the middle of india's silicon valley bangalore my guest today is ranjan and deva malik a couple who are also co-founders of consulting firm Pramilize with clients like Montelays and Unilever. This is your host Malini Goel and in this episode of After Hours with India Inc, Ranjan and Reva talk to me about living an off-grid life, a life that is sustainable and a living that is conscious. Hi Reva and Ranjan, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining in. Hi. Hi Malini, namaste. Thanks for having both of us here today. Feels good to be a part of this. Yeah, lovely to have both of you. So while you are consultant and Primalizer is doing some interesting work with large companies, I wanted our focus on the house and the way you guys live today. It's a new way of living, very conscious way of living. And I wanted us to look at what is so special about it and your journey so far. So Ranjan, do you want to tell us a bit about your work that you do at Primalize and also what is so special about this home that you've built? See, actually, there's nothing special about this house. That's why, you know, majority of people in the world, in our country, live like this. So, therefore, there's nothing special. Primalize and this home, you know, we follow our living philosophy that we describe as primalize. We call it living your being. As an organization, we help organizations live their being, you know, reconnect with their core essentials, their purpose, and also reconnect with the two systems that they are part of make sense of the two systems one is the business ecosystem which is the industry ecosystem the other is the socio cultural system so making sense of the culture that they are a part of understanding the culture that's our work and that's our life it's also inspired by natural systems the rural life you know somewhere trying to retain what we value in our ambiance around what our culture gives us you know the the tradition gives us somewhere it's a mix of all of that also also primalize is not about going back to old ways it is about going deeper and reconnecting with our humanness so ranjan tell us about this home that you live in when did you shift here and describe that a bit to us what this home feels like see this is a mud house which was built using a technique called rammed earth technique it's a single space it's not multiple rooms it's one room with a mezzanine it's just 750 square feet in a piece of land that's 3000 square feet we moved here around 2 years ago but we started living the mud house life many many years before we moved into a mud house really we had started to simplify our living many years ago this is when reva and i started to bring up our child our daughter you know what starkly stood out were the absurdities in our living learning systems and also livelihood related systems and we started to feel a little disenchanted about the artificially built socio economic systems and that's when we started to simplify our lives we didn't want our daughter to grow up in a house full of stuff where stuff becomes more important and we realized that when things are the most important things in a child's life the humans around are actually just inferior things so we wanted to remove some of the stuff that had kind of insidiously crept into our lives one appliance at a time but we realized we were sitting on such a pile of stuff that it would take us a lifetime to really get rid of all that so we decided to move into our mud house which is almost like a zero space i call it a minimum viable home because it's not complete like a normal typical bhk kind of urban living and as we organize our lives in this almost zero space which had nothing no appliances no furniture nothing we really only picked stuff that was relevant for us which connected with our way of living and over the last 2 years we've kind of grown a home around ourselves 
So actually before picking up stuff for the house, planning for this house, you know, while it was getting built, there were lots of discussions that we had on what we should have and what we should not have into the house so that we don't again get into the same old trap. We decided together that, okay, let's see what we can do without, you know, what are those core essentials that we want to live with only. And then gradually we realized we actually don't need certain conveniences in life, which we are used to, but they're also getting us away from, you know, connecting to the elements. So we decided, okay, let's not have light bulbs or fans or running electricity into the house. Actually, we don't need appliances, all these appliances that run on electricity, but there is power because we have an electric vehicle now. The solar panels that we have is, is a very minimal. Uh, minimal system again, which is good enough only to charge our laptop and phone and maybe one rice cooker. So it doesn't take more load. And we have an atmospheric water generator, which needed more power to run. And again, our solar panels wouldn't have been able to hold it. Another of the conveniences that we wanted to do without was taps. So there are no running taps in the kitchen or toilet or bathroom. Actually, it's uh, rainwater that collects. We have a big roof, the Mangalore tiled roof. It collects uh, a lot of water during the rains. And we have a sump that stores all this water. On top of the tank, we have the hand pump. We pump water out for all the use in the household that we need. And we are able to harvest uh, around 40,000 litres of water every year in that sump and use it almost through the year. Only when we badly need water and we are totally out of water, do we then try and get water from outside. But we are able to uh, run our household uh, with, uh, in fact, the government will tell you that per capita consumption of water is 130 to 150 litres you know, per person per day. But we, uh, between Reva and I and our chickens and our plants, we try and use between 100 and 150 litres of water per day. And no water is single-use water here. We recycle all water. We have a grey water recycling system. We have a black water recycling system. And all the water that we use actually uh, doesn't go down the drain or it doesn't go out of the boundary of the house. It gets used within. So actually not only water, all other waste also we are trying that, you know, if anything goes out of sight, we don't know where it ends up in. So that's another way of saying that, okay, let's keep it in front of our eyes and then we'll know what to do with it. In a way, this kind of a house has made us think on those terms. So all our waste is uh, composted. We have vermicompost, we have other compost bins and all that comes back into our growing area where we try and grow our food. So I know that you also don't have a gas chula. Can you tell us how do you cook? And what is the rationale behind not having some of these basic conveniences that we almost take granted in our lives, like piped water, like gas? Two, three things to it, actually. The first one was that, yeah, we wanted to harvest natural energy in all forms. So solar cooker was the first thing that came to our mind, that we want to harvest as much sunlight as possible for our daily needs. So there is a solar cooker that we have, actually two of them. So our daily food gets cooked in the solar cooker because we are from Punjab. So we are also used to eating rotis and parathas. The solar cooker is not able to make that for us. For that and some other needs, we use the firewood chulha, our normal usual chulha. It's that, a smokeless chulha. Yeah, that cooks food also and or during cloudy days that comes in very handy and we've not felt a need for the gas connection ever since we've moved in here and actually now we wonder that you know oh my god some things that we took for granted that oh without gas we can't live life or without other supply of water you know from the government we can't live our life those are actually illusions of scarcity that we are creating for ourselves you know so, what happened was uh, you know our mud house living didn't start when we moved to the mud house like I said even uh, around 15 years ago Reva had a very interesting living philosophy and she brought all of us together, our daughter, I and Reva, we were sitting together and she says, whenever something goes out of order at home, 
let's not be in a hurry to get it repaired or get it replaced. Mm-hmm. That day, what had happened was that uh, we forgot over. to book the gas cylinder, and it didn't. Both and, of them were. And like, like the man of the family, I said, "Okay, don't worry. I'll do something about it. Either I'll get one quickly, or I'll we'll borrow it from friends or neighbors, etc." So Deva says, "Ranjit, wait. Let's try and live without it, and let's see what happens." So what we did was we just digged up a little chula on our terrace, and we ate aluka parathas that day, sitting on the terrace. And let me tell you, we've never enjoyed our aluka parathas more than that day, sitting on the terrace in moonlight. And we said, "Okay, we will not use the mixer that day to grind our chutney. We'll do it on our dori danda and those stone grinder and stuff." And we've we said, "Why aren't we living like this more often? Why do we have to wait till something goes out of order?" How old was your daughter at that point of time? And uh, now, how did she react to all this? This uh, instance is, I think, some fifteen years ago. Uh, she was young. She was six years old. Yeah. Uh, now she's twenty-five. Oh no, then it's more number of years. Anyway, no. But I think for children, actually, younger children, uh, whatever world is around them is their world, and the world we've created, they also get used to anything. Uh, she is also very fond of this kind of a living, and she uh, right now also likes to live simply. And then I remember we were traveling, Deva and I, and our daughter called, and she was very fond of watching Master Chef that time, or I think it was some uh, match that was happening. She and her, her friend, cousin was cousin was there. sitting with her and said, "We have to watch this match." And she called and said, uh, "Can we watch TV?" And there was an old TV set lying at home which wasn't charged, you know, etc. and things like that. And we we kept that for our parents because we didn't want to impose our living philosophy on our parents. When they would come, they would want to watch their TV. Uh, we told our daughter, we really don't want to charge it. Can you go to the neighbor's house to watch TV? And I remembered we used to do that when we were children. And our daughter actually went to the neighbor's house and watched TV that day. And we said, this is normal living. <laughs> this is interrelationship, interdependence, and not insular living where each one is just too independent. See, we are also getting used to getting everything very soon. You know, just at the click of a button, or you know, uh, information also is just so readily available. it helps for sure you know it helps but sometimes we feel that you know there is uh, you value something more when you work hard towards it you know and then there was this time when there was uh, news in bangalore about water scarcity and you know across the world also we were hearing uh, you know people talking about that there'll be no water uh, uh, you know potable water after a few years and so that also set us thinking that you know is that really you know are we really going to be out of water and how is one supposed to live and then gradually also looking at the quality of air going bad and so many of these things whatever we are doing is not right you know we need to mend a few of these cycles or you know mend the loops that we are living so we are living very linear is what you know uh, we start you know uh, this linearity thing that reva is talking about we realize that typical urban living you know uh, is actually you know it gives you a false sense of abundance of resources that are scarce and it also gives you a false sense of control over them modern urban living is a clumsy bundle of lots of linear processes that start on the shop floor or uh, shop shelf and end in a trash bin and which which is out of sight you know take my trash away from my sight so that i don't i, I don't see the dirty stuff take away the production if it is dirty production don't show it to me because i'm the consumer and we realized that each of these processes were also kind of siloed you know the food subsystem is separate the laundry subsystem is separate and we buy the detergent from the market and that's all that it gets used for and then then it kind of goes down the sink with some 60 to 90 liters of water per wash cycle and strong chemicals if you grow your food in the same soil that your laundry water has gone into the vegetables are not going to be healthy for you to eat you know these kinds of feedback loops we are removing ourselves from 
So there we realized that each of these linear systems or linear processes were actually circular processes and they were, they were all interrelated. For example, now the ash that comes out of our chula, we uh, use it to wash our uh, utensils and that carbon rich water goes into our grey water system which we have designed ourselves and the grey water system which has plants, which has typha and kenna plants, it goes through gravel. The, the roots of these plants uh, cleanse the water, cleanse the dirty water actually. And that water, uh, and then there is guppy fish in the reservoir, so that water is dead for, for the plants. So we've realized that it every home there's abundant energy that actually falls on every home there is uh, water through rain there is air there is light there's heat there is matter around biological matter around if we could really mend all our loops we'll have abundant energy we have, we'll have enough water we'll have enough carbon and nitrogen cycles running the way they should run so tell us a bit about what your schedule looks like uh, what time do you guys get up in the morning and since you don't have any help and it's a house that requires some effort I'm gathering. So help us get a sense of what your schedule looks like through the day. So we wake up by sunrise and then uh, our the whole cleaning of the house starts slowly. I think cleaning the inside and the outside garden area of the house. Getting things ready for uh, our meals. I mean going to the garden and fetching whatever is ready to be cooked and then putting that into the solar cooker because the sun is out already. Then we've put the things into the solar cooker for cooking. We sit down and have some fruit together. I think by around 9 or 9.30, 10 in the morning, our cleaning and cooking for the day is done. That's when we sit down for our work-related uh, stuff. So, so if we have to give time to a client for a call, we make sure that we prioritize work at home and therefore uh, we don't give any slots before 11 a.m. So <laughs> that's, very, that's an understanding between Reva and I. We do that because we need to do our jhadu and our pocha and our cleaning before that. So somewhere we also felt that, you know, certain kinds of jobs around in, you know, all of us, they get more dignity and certain others don't get dignity is one. Also, they don't get paid as much as some other kind of jobs get paid. That was a pain point somewhere, you know. Uh, we didn't know how to uh, actually solve because it's a large problem. It's across societies, across the world. But we felt, okay, at least at our level, you know, how do we dignifying this whole Jhadu pocha and how do we dignifying hath ka kaam, handwork, you know, something that's done with hand, which doesn't get paid uh, much in the society. So in fact, yeah. what we do is, you know, we've also decided that for our subsistence, we don't want to be dependent or precariously dependent on systems outside. So we kind of grow our own food. There are vegetables, there are fruits growing, there are 40 fruit trees in this small piece of land. There are vegetables growing, there are two hens, we have our chickens here. Those are for eggs, plus chickens are actually weeds realize that when you sit down to mend the broken energy loops, you realize there are some critical building blocks that are missing. And that's how our chickens came. Because we were getting a cow dung from outside and we realized that we need to generate our own manure. And chicken manure is very nutrient dense. It's got a lot of nitrogen. So our hens actually are very hardworking. They do a lot of farming the whole day. They, are, they eat up all the insects that we don't need around our living space. They love termites. They love little lizards and frogs and other things, and they generate amazing manure. They also give us eggs. So our protein comes from here. We've started to grow uh, vegetables and fruits that are not high maintenance. For example, now we've grown pigeon peas, arhardal, in our little piece of land. And that also nourishes the earth. You know, it improves the soil quality and stuff. So other than subsistence, beyond subsistence, we wanted to really make sure that our, our own community and the communities around 
benefit from our living rather than that big retail where you go and buy our stuff from. So our little snacks that we eat comes from our own community, people who, who make snacks or a little uh, village sante, uh, you know, a fair or market that happens. We go and buy loose grains and stuff like that rather than buying from the big cloth retail. from the local weaver who sits here and weaves. Uh, and I've and Riva has taught me how to uh, stitch my own kurta. So uh, that's also now beginning mm-hmm. to happen. See, all these things somewhere we also realize they are not taught in the usual academics uh, of growing up. You know, somewhere we felt it's also maybe we need to figure out where is this whole valuing our own skills or, you know, dignifying what doing your own work and being able to stitch your own clothes, being able to build your own house. Uh, it has to come from somewhere is, is you know, what we keep thinking about. So what, what are your evenings like, Rajan, Reva? I know that after sunset, you may not have electricity or power. Uh, so help us describe what uh, after sunset life is for you guys. Um, do you kind of finish your food before sunset? And what do you do in the evening? We have, you have no TV, etc. Go ahead. So the evenings are actually that magical moment. In fact, it was Reva's uh, thinking again, you know, when, you know, my daughter and I, we were insisting that we should have some lights at least to extend the day. Uh, somewhere Reva said that, let's try it out without lights. You know, when we are sitting on the floor and in very dim uh, diyas, we, we lamp our diyas or right. oil lamps. So in that kind of a light, the kind of conversations we have are of, of a very different kind. You know, compared to this, when we go back to our family home where our parents live and when it's, uh, say nine o'clock at night and th- there are bright lights all over and we are sitting up on the sofas and uh, dining tables the kind of conversations we have are very different um, here the conversations aren't that violent they are uh, far more grounded that way so the evening begins at around um, actually our hens tell us when the evening has begun mm-hmm. <laughs> evening has begun because without, without a clock by the clock the mm-hmm. hens just walk into their coop in fact, when they walk into the coop, we've sometimes done that. We Google the time and say sunset in Bangalore. It's exactly that time. And they walk into the coop. We know it's time to light the diyas. We know it's time to kind of start winding down in terms of... So we, because we have only two cooked meals in a day, our first meal is just a lot of fruit that we grow. Uh, and the second, uh, the first cooked meal actually is at 12 o'clock. And second cooked meal is at 6.30 in the evening. So we start preparing for eating and we, we don't have a dining table. So we just uh, have... We put our... Uh, think we take take them out of the solar cooker. We sit down on the floor and eat. Um, so we have our dinner in lamp light. If we have it right before sunset, then we don't need to light the lamp. Otherwise, we light the lamp. Uh, and our food is typically, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's dal, there's roti, there's uh, sabzi. There's also, we make our own achars, we make our own even wine because we have a lot of abundance of uh, avlas that kind of grow in our piece of land or star fruit. So we make our own wine and achars and, and jams and stuff like that. So we finish our food and then we start to wind down. Uh, we sometimes switch on our atmospheric water generator at night because the humidity is very high and that's, and the air is clean. So we can um, harvest lots of water. So that kind of sometimes runs through the night and that gives us, it actually gives you 25 liters of water per day, per, per day if it is on 24 hours. We don't need to keep it on that long. How do you manage without a refrigerator? I mean, we all worry about things going waste, your milk, your curd, all that. How do you manage that? that was the easiest and it surprises us the most that you know how come we that every house has it (laughs) so we have a cabinet of sorts we call it jali ki almari which again uh, which our grandparents had these in their houses it's open from behind it it has a wire mesh and the cold air from the outside it just uh, passes through so it's an open kind of a cabinet 
So we place our perishables there. Uh, we also have a big matka, a big pot, pitcher, uh, dug up into the earth. That uh, We store some perishables there, some leftover dal or rice or sabzi in that uh, for the night. Another way is we, we cook only as much as required for the day and we try to finish it. You know, so their leftovers are actually very, very little, hardly. Uh, and our hens love our leftovers, so they also finish it off. So actually, there's nothing much left that needs to go into the refrigerator. So we are forced to eat fresh. Uh, in fact, yeah. so fresh that, for example, if we have plucked our avlas and our dhania and uh, pudina for chutney and we, uh, we grind it in our dori danda and our silbatta, you know, uh, stone grinders, we have to finish it. Uh, if we prepare it for lunch, we have to finish it in lunch. It won't survive till, till dinner. So you have to bake it again. So we've realized that refrigerators are just stale food boxes. And thanks to the refrigerator, we don't, thanks to not having a refrigerator, we don't need uh, gyms or, you know, exercises because this also takes care of our physical activity. So it's like that. So, so that net, we've realized that if, you're, if everyday living can uh, give you or nourish you enough physically, mentally and socially, even spiritually and environmentally, you don't need artificial things like gyms or temples or schools because this is the place. Actually, that moment, you know, the the dusk kind of a moment when we have to light our lamp is, is like Ranjan was saying, it's very magical. It's very, very sacred for us also. Uh, you know, that, that whole lighting of lamp because now it's getting dark outside. Uh, for that reason, you're lighting and it lights up only that much area. It won't re- breach, you know, every corner of the house. So it's very special for us, actually, that time, the evening time. So one thing I remember, uh, you both telling me that the, your cost of living because of this has gone down dramatically. Can you help us get a sense of uh, how efficient and cost efficient this life is for both of you? Um, like, like, like I said in the beginning, that it's actually not an extraordinary way of living. It's ordinary way of living. It's the way majority of India lives. So we actually spend as much as an average Indian would spend really. Uh, I think we don't, we, we live at under 10,000 rupees a month right now uh, because everything grows within. Uh, we don't use too many clothes because we have to wash those clothes ourselves. Uh, we do all our work ourselves. We repeat clothes till they're really dirty <laughs> and then they go for washing. No, we, we do every, we aerate them, we put them in, in so the there's sun, solar yeah. dis- disinfection that happens. So we, we have our appropriate ways of keeping things clean. So right now it's under 10,000, I guess, as we go along, this, go this will go down less, further. Yeah. One last question to both of you. How has everyone around you, your friends, your family reacted, responded to your lifestyle? So, you know, from a proper corporate executive, you know, chasing deadlines and on the treadmill to this life. I'm sure it's been a traumatic transition for both of you. At least the world would look at it like that. Uh, How have people reacted? See, we realized that that socioeconomic world that we were part of, the corporate world, like you call it, is interested in only two aspects of uh, of us. One is that we are a factor of production. Two, we are a unit of consumption. And uh, and, uh, it, it, it actually... Uh, rewards people or behavior that uh, where you are ready to give more of you your services and take as little as possible so who are the kind of people who will give more and take less we realize that these were insecure overachievers and what does the system reward you with is the product of the system itself Uh, so therefore it makes you a consumer it's an autopoietic system so these are the only two aspects the system loves in you and rewards you for and the moment we extricate ourselves from that system or being dependent on that system and come into this world which is nature's system we feel whole 
uh, we feel more complete and not just a kind of a grotesque someone with two facets only factor production and unit consumption yeah that and we also felt that somewhere when we look at the world you know all of us in our own uh, say uh, you know the way we all look at everything around we felt it's it's very bubbleized you know we look at uh, small bubbles only probably what you're uh, talking of and we also was grappling with was just one bubble when we just move out of that uh, bubble the whole, the other world is also open to us i think that's how we felt uh, it did take some time convincing our parents for sure uh, you know that yeah we we do want to get into this because they were disturbed for, for some time initially when we started planning for this that you know what's gone wrong with them and you know why are they you know as they are aging they are getting into life which is a little difficult physically Uh, but i think uh, slowly you know they are also they were part of planning the whole thing with us they've kind of uh, they see us happy now and they are close by so it's you know it that way we also have a, a big set of like minded friends i think uh, maybe that was a support for us because somewhere we didn't feel out of place we, they are around us there is there's uh, some very dear friends that you know through this journey also that we come to be with Uh, we so it's we have like minded goals for living and you know growing our own food respecting nature respecting nature's principles everything i think we all most as about. a community you know most houses here are mud houses now most people here are all everyone here i mean people are non ostentatious i mean we don't feel the need to change our clothes often or to follow certain fashion trends etc etc so therefore it's easy i think we've realized that bangalore has many many bangalores uh, and we found our bangalore and that's become our world and that's true for any city around the world lovely lovely to talk to both of you reva and ranjan and thanks for sharing perspective on your life on your home and um, thank you so much thanks You're so welcome. much thank you so much thanks Bye. to you also because actually it's very simple the way we are living thanks for making it special in the manner that you have thanks You were listening to After Hours with India Inc by Malini Goyal mixed and edited by Shashwat Kumar to get more insights into contemporary business and corporate culture do subscribe to us After Hours with India Inc is available on Spotify Ghana Apple Music and various other streaming platforms to get regular updates about this podcast follow the twitter handle at goyal malini For any feedback, email us at toiplus.podcast@timesinternet.in.